I'm a cartoon. <laughs> I'm SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> so, boys, what's on the agenda today? <laughs> I mean, I added something to the list we can talk about. Tony's favorite game is out. Or my <laughs> soon-to-be favorite game. Tony's favorite game is out. The- uh. Uh. It's the new Pokemon game. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. No. Oh, God. We're starting here. Oh, no. All right, so. Uh, Tony, you so, haven't bought both Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee yet? Catch him, catch him. With the matching oh, Pikachu Joy Con. Why did I agree to this? I have played. I really like it, actually. Uh, that's nice for you. <laughs> I think they've done a lot of cool things with it. I think it's got one or two major problems, but overall, it's a good game. So, so Dan has the game. I do. All right. Well, the most important question is: Are you playing it correctly or incorrectly? Um, I think I'm going to need those definitions. What do you mean by correctly or incorrectly? Do you have the nope. Pokeball accessory? Oh no! <laughs> oh, obviously not. Incorrect. <laughs> So, when right. I played this game... Next topic. <laughs> when I played this game, the Pokeball accessory was the one thing I had fun playing with playing this game. <laughs> I can attest. That is I've true. not used it. What do, you, what do you do with it? You catch Pokemon. You catch on, the Dan. Pokemon. <laughs> but you can't literally throw the Pokeball. Like, how does it work? Well, you can. <laughs> It might be highly suggested not to, but if you want the full Pokemon experience, you have to throw your life-size Pokeball at your life-size Snorlax beanbag. That's how the game Got works. It. Got it. No, that's just how you play. But, Tony, you've played the game a little bit. I have played the game a little bit. Oh, Tony put a good two hours into it. I put it. a good two hours into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as it came out. Yeah. Um, so my initial impressions i mean again and this is two hours of play so i think that you know like pretty safe for like an an initial impression to decide that of course i do not want to continue playing this game (laughs) um from my experience and from what the more experienced pokemon players who are watching me play were telling me this seemed like a slightly, definitely simplified, I would say, dumbed-down version of Pokemon. hmm And that just was not a good choice for me. <laughs> My complaint about playing the original Pokemon games was that, especially early game, there was not enough to do and it was not interesting it did not hold my attention so simplifying the game held even less of my attention and made it less interesting for me to play uh you know there was the removal of choices early in the game you can't choose your starter uh like well well that's a from pokemon yellow so this game is basically a remake of pokemon yellow um and in that game you couldn't choose your starter either uh, you were you were stuck with Pikachu no matter what. So I didn't know I, that. I also don't think that's ex- that makes this excusable either. <laughs> I I get that it's a remake of Pokemon Yellow, but it's not 
Pokemon Yellow Remastered. This is True. this is a brand new game in a well, like fifteen years later generation. Like mechanically and under the hood, nothing is the same as Pokemon Yellow. And except I for noticed, all the towns and the and the Pokemon and the gym leaders and the, the protagonist and the antagonist and Yeah, but you can say that for every Pokemon game. So like what are we what are we talking about here exactly? Like Fair. it's okay because they do it all the time. It's like eh, I don't know about that. I, I do agree with whoever Tony told you that it was a, a dumbed down version of Pokemon. I I kind of agree with that. I my mm-hmm. my thought while playing it was that this is a game that is meant to get brand new fans into Pokemon via their parents who already love Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this screams like I'm a parent who grew up in the in the early 90s, and mm-hmm. uh, I really want my kid to be into Pokemon, but I also want to play Pokemon. So that's where this fun two-player comes in, where my kid can't mess up anything that I'm doing, and I can still play with them. Right. Get new fans into playing Pokemon who are young children. Yep. See, there was a lot of potential here. I could have been... I, I think I went into this pretty open-minded. I could have been a new fan of Pokemon, and this game did not do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's because it seems to be very much pitched to children, and to I feel like even more than other Nintendo games, they, you know, Nintendo's pretty cartoony, but like this one seemed very specifically like I felt like I was playing with a children's toy made for children, even more than other Nintendo games. And that that's another reason why I definitely didn't want to stick with it. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that's very purposeful. I mean, if you think about it, you're, you're not their target market for a Pokemon game. Like the, all of the people who were born around the same time as us who like Pokemon already like Pokemon and all the people who don't, who who are around our age who don't like Pokemon probably aren't going to be converted at this point. So they they need a new market because people like me are going to keep buying the Pokemon games and the young people who who maybe don't know too much about Pokemon yet, they they need to be reintroduced to it. But what about the demographic that is me? And which one is what that? What about me? It's the Pokemon fan. <laughs> what about me? What about me? <laughs> what about the Pokemon fan that no longer enjoys Pokemon? Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't actually bought a new game, I guess. I guess that's true. I'm not going to keep buying the games. Because I, I don't own a DS. So I haven't mm. bought a new game in a little while. Um, I think that's what this game is for. Is not not so much you and I, but people around our age who are uh have kids i think i think that's who this is marketed towards because like as even though i feel weird saying it there are people my age who have kids and those kids uh might be old enough to play a pokemon game and it's a fun thing to do if you're like in your mid to late 20s and you want to introduce your kid to a Pokemon game and this one now has two player which has never happened before um and not only that but a two player where the second player literally has no effect on the game other than to like run around with you like it, it's it seems like like that's exactly what they're trying to do here there's a term that I hear people use that I really hate because it's very degrading and insulting but it's the term that I feel like it's it's what I feel is very appropriate in this case, where the old generation Pokemon fans that enjoy this game are the fans that s- metaphorically 
drink the Kool-Aid. What do you mean? If Have you heard this term, Tony? Yeah. I, I mean, I know what the expression is. Right. So it's, it's in reference to you are just kind of a fan of the company and you're way too forgiving of their flaws and any exposure to their content will be received with positivity because you are drinking their Kool-Aid. That's the idea. Well, because my response to this whole thing about how it's, you know, getting in a younger audience and all that and how it's pitched toward this apparently really specific demographic is like, you know, is all of this an excuse to make a game that I would argue is not as good as the other games? I mean, maybe we're not on the same page about that. Mm. But like, if we think about how good this is as a game and how good this is as a pokemon game i mean i'm not a fan of pokemon but i definitely enjoyed you know i i thought that the other games were better games right i think this is a good game as you said for children but i would only disagree with that as far as i think this is a good game for toddlers (laughs) Like, I, I thought this game was really easy. Yeah, well, that that was the one thing I, I'm, I was talking about earlier, or at least I mentioned, where I said I think there's a couple major problems, and mm. that's the big thing, is I, I think the game is almost broken because of how easy it is. Like, I'm yeah. I'm flying through it with, with sure. no issues. Um, People have told me they've almost caught all the Pokemon already. That's and that, insane. Yeah, that was a f***ing chore back in my day yeah i mean the the one thing that i would really like to have changed if i had any say in it is the automatic experience share where like you fight a battle and every pokemon in your party gets experience that's doesn't seem that doesn't seem right like it makes it way too easy to level up pokemon without actually using them Right, okay, there's no so effort in that. C- can I have a little sidebar about that? Mm-hmm. So no. wh- whenever you'd finish a battle, and then it would say, oh, so-and-so gained experience. This one, you know, leveled up. This, like that. I was like, I was just shouting at the TV, where's the turn off notifications button? <laughs> I was so sick of the barrage of notifications yeah. at the end of every battle. And, like, I, d- like I-, I understand that's probably something that's particular to me because I tried to reduce the amount of notifications in my life and most people don't do that but i was just i was feeling overwhelmed by the number of just notifications just trash it was throwing at me like i can go look at this later i don't need to have something stopping the game popping up and telling me every time something little happens at the end of a battle especially when there's so much happening because yeah as we were talking about everyone levels up at once which has its other problems that you were just laying out yeah i mean in the original games that was an item you could equip called called exp share and it was a something like you had to find like i i remember that that was something that i i set out because i i heard about this item and i really wanted to get it um because I, it was an important part of the game right and it was also something i liked about it is you couldn't get it until like relatively later on in the game i think it was don't quote me on this but so- somewhere probably after the fifth oh, or will. sixth gym leader um, I think it was in Saffron City, if I'm remembering correctly, but I could be entirely wrong about that. Um, and uh, live live commentators, please yeah. uh, update us. Yeah, let us know in the chat. Let us know in the chat. But it was great because because it was so late in the game, 
you had a, probably a bunch of fairly high-powered Pokemon, level 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, and if you caught a new Pokemon that wasn't very experienced um, and you wanted to level it up even though you were fighting these stronger Pokemon, you could just stick the EXP share on it and keep fighting and eventually it would get to the point where it could enter battle itself and get more experience. Um, but this is, from the very beginning, it doesn't seem like they're even attempting to make it look like the game might be difficult. Now, Dan, I need to take an opportunity to put on my no longer metaphorical nerd glasses and say to you that the experience <laughs> share in the original games was actually called the experience all in the first oh, generation. I don't remember that at all. And it had the exact same effect that it does in this game, where instead of giving the experience share to one Pokemon to give it experience points, experience all divided a small amount of experience to every Pokemon in your party, much more similar to this current game. All right, I took my glasses off. Hold on, I'm, I'm looking this up now. I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah, EXP all. Generation 1, circa 1997. It was a cold hmm. winter that year. Oh, All right, yeah. while you do that, I'm going to okay. get another drink. I see it. <laughs> yes. uh, hey, Tony, can you get me one as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll take one <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that. For the record, Tony, if you knock on my door and walk in with a drink, I will sh myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that he's gone... <laughs> All right, now this is the real podcast. So, Dan, don't you love Pokemon? <laughs> I, I love the game. It's great. I So I actually have not played the game yet. Um, I watched Tony play it and felt this similar wave of disappointment of watching Tony play what I thought was like a baby like video game. Like literally four babies. Yeah. Which, you have to design a game differently when the person has what essentially is brain damage or just brain malformation because they're too young to form a brain. Um, but I think this game can appeal to them, which, you know, has a demographic, a target, and I think they appeal to that target well. Uh, but what I am also assuming is I have to give this game a chance. Mm -hmm. I have to play it. I want I just want to take a day and play it all day, basically. And just see, or or if I can play it all day, and just see how much I am enjoying myself. And I imagine I will enjoy myself reasonably, a reasonable amount playing this game. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a Pokemon game, so, like, it's fine. Yeah, um, but... Uh, it's, <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying. Ringing endorsement. Yeah. I uh, know. Um, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna keep playing it, mostly because I don't have a game I would rather play on the Switch right now. Um, Ooh, okay. I mean, <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, like if if a new game came out that held my attention on the Switch for more than a day, I would probably swap it out. But might I recommend Overcooked? You might. What is it? Overcooked. Is it Chef Add Simulator? Duck. Um, it's it's less of a simulator and more of a diner dash kind of game. <laughs> Um, it has a multiplayer function. I played it very brief, uh, briefly, um, but it was very fun. Um, I don't think it can hold my attention for more than a month, perhaps. I don't think it's a better game than something like Mini Metro, but we are kind of dancing in that same vein where someone just kind of took an idea 
and hashed it out down to like the fine mechanical details and made a lovely game around it with the most bizarre intro sequence that you could have ever imagined. Hmm. I did play Mini Metro a bit after we spoke about it last time on my iPad, and I gotta say, it is really good on the 12.9 inch. Oh, oh it's yeah. such a good game. Now, Dan, mm-hmm. did you play the game correctly? Did you, did you use the Pokeball accessory? <laughs> I feel, I feel while like I'm, I'm, study, I'm at school taking a quiz I haven't studied for. <laughs> this is did your you nightmare. Show your work, That's what the show is. No, this is where I shine. I, I go in and I, I fake like I know what's happening. Yes, I played it correctly. Nice. So you played Good with the you. Apple Pencil. Oh, yes, I actually did play it correctly. Which is my, oh my favorite God. way to play that game. Yeah. I don't know why, but it is no, so satisfying. No, because it's satisfying. obviously superior. Guys. Yes, okay, good. I'm glad we're on Guys. the same page about this. God, I've, I've never played it with the Apple Pencil. Well... Oh, incorrect. You're fired. <laughs> I also don't have a pop filter. <laughs> oh, God. Ooh, an Apple... Oh. Pe- playing with the Apple Pencil. Ooh. Ooh have you guys Ooh. seen the new Apple Pencils? I, I I heard talk of it. I have not seen it. I have not held one. A co-worker <laughs> of mine has one. It's really nice. Oh, man. Because it, 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 it connects... Strictly to the top of the iPad that I actually charges hate while it's and there. Wish it didn't do, but dude, that sounds great though. Sounds like a great way for me to not be put a case on it and lose my Apple Pencil in my backpack, dude. Every time I use the pencil, it's dead. Every single time I went for, I have to wait like at least thirty seconds for it to charge some amounts. Yeah, I just wish there was a way that wasn't gonna fall off my backpack. Um, mm. But it's really mm. cool. I, it looks good. The new the new iPad looks good. I want yes. one, but they're way too expensive. Even more expensive now. They are. There's Dan, do you ha- do you have a watch? An Apple Watch? Yep. Okay. Uh, I might need you two to Skype in with my mom because she <laughs> needs Christmas present ideas for me, and I didn't know what to say, so I panicked and said the Apple Watch. And now <laughs> I think I'm getting an Apple Watch. So oh man, this is becoming one of those shows. Awesome. <laughs> one of what shows? <laughs> All the great shows. Okay. Um, speaking of games that are new that hold my attention. Oh, and we're back. What? <laughs> uh, Red Dead Redemption is a game that oh. came out. I thought you said fishing. Yep, you can fish in that game. And and that reminded me that there was a big Magic the Gathering tournament <laughs> being streamed on Twitch, but it was being outviewed by Russian Pro Fishing 2. This is not a stream of consciousness podcast. <laughs> I was really concerned that that's the game you were about to talk about. Um, no, you can fish in Red Dead Redemption, though. Okay, good. It's in- and you, and insanely you boring to do that, so I don't, but you can. Like, I can't imagine it being much better than boring. It, it's basically the same amount of excitement as real fishing. Real fishing's kind of fun. Yeah. If you know what you're doing. And, alright, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, re- it's good, though. I have a few complaints, but overall, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, so I've never played a Red Dead, Tony, have you? Nope, never played a Red Dead. Not playing right, this one right now. I didn't so, play the first one. Bathroom, so Don't know anything can, about it. 
Alright, well you can keep talking about Red Dead. Tony and I are going to play Mini Metro. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's really good. It's it's the most realistic game I've ever played. Uh, like, to the point where if I forget to eat, I get a notification saying, like, you are starving and you're going to die if you don't eat soon. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and if I forget to... It's just to, like real life. <laughs> yeah. This is, um, it's just like real life. Uh if I forget to cut my hair, it grows really long and I have to go to a barber. Like, it's it's wow. bordering on too realistic sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of an interesting detail. I like that. All right. I'm, I'm, my ears are perked. Yeah. Um, the, the one complaint I have, or I guess two complaints that I have, one is that it is realistic until it's not. Like, there are mm. buildings you can't go into because the door is locked. Like, that in the Wild West, if I wanted to go into a building, I feel like I could just kick down the door. Um, well, is, is that a mechanic, though? Like, can you break into doors? Or? There are some doors you can break into, but only if the mm. game wants you to break into them. Mm, that's well, a problem. Well, just like in Skyrim, door locked requires key. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you can't pick lock the required key doors. Yeah, so so I wish that there that you were able to get into more buildings than you are able to get into. That being said, you can get into a hell of a lot of buildings. Um, okay. And so, and just like the the sheer variation and uh, depth to some of the stories inside those buildings that you would never see if you didn't just go look is is really impressive because th- there are entire like storylines that you would miss if you didn't just go exploring. Um, one one being there was a serial killer that I had to hunt. Um, and I, ha- I've just found a body on the road and, you know, sometimes there are bodies on the road because it's the wild west. Um, but, <laughs> but this one, you know, I, something, it was missing its head. So like I, it, which was a little weird, like you don't see that. So I looked that around and there, yeah. there, there was a note stuffed into the head a little bit farther away. Oh my God. Um, and there are three of these bodies that I came across and finally the three notes made a map and then I had to go find the house and in the house there was like a, a basement and it, i mean no spoilers i won't tell you what happened in the basement but like the, all of this wouldn't happen it wouldn't have happened if i just had passed it by was it, you made the comment you there's lots of plot lines you would miss without exploring mm-hmm. is this a comment you could make about horizon zero done um nowhere near the same extent okay um I mean, yeah, like, there's stuff you can miss in Horizon Zero Dawn, but it doesn't really... It was never pronounced enough that you brought it up. Yeah. Um, This stuff is more like, it's surprising how detailed it is. Got it. For something that's really just a, a random house that you happen to walk into. Like an Easter egg has just its own fully fleshed out plot. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, what else? There's a uh... oh, the 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 horse. The whole thing about horses being able to die is awful, and I hate it. But I like that they did it. <laughs> I thought we were going straight to the horse's balls with that one. Yeah. Oh no. Oh man. Um. So like, if if you die in a gunfight, or if you're just in a gunfight and you your horse dies, uh, the horse is gone. Um, doesn't matter how much you paid for it, doesn't matter how good a horse it is, it's gone forever. Which can be really upsetting, especially when they die in stupid ways. Like, I got off of a horse to go, uh, 
I don't know, going to a post office or something, I think, and I forgot to hitch it, and it wandered onto a train track and got hit by a train. Oh, my God. Um, and it was really upsetting because it was a great horse. That is impressive, though, that a horse can just wander off and can get, just get hit by a train. Like, that's that's tragedy on a very realistic level. Yeah, I mean, the, this is the first game I've played maybe ever where just the the breadth of what you can do and and what you can see and interact with is so so huge like if i'm looking in the distance and i see some random person riding a horse down a road like miles and miles away i know i can if i go really fast i can catch up to that person and and talk to them so like it's it's really incredible what they did with this and this commentary it does actually intrigue me about this game i did not play the first Red Dead. I had no interest in playing the second one. Um, so I had no outlet to um, have interest in this game. But th- this is an interesting commentary, how realistic you're telling me the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, is this an... is this? Would you call this an evolution in video games' capabilities of... Coming back to previous conversations we've had... Uh, simulating real life. Like, is this, like, the highest evolution that we've peaked at so far well, in trying to simulate real life? Yeah, I mean, have, having not actually lived in the late 1800s, I don't know how realistic that is, but um, I think... But even just physics and reactions and things yeah, like I, that. Yeah, I, like I think so. Growing. I think so, yeah. Um, you can... <clears throat> yeah, it's just like the way that the world interacts with you in addition to you interacting right. with the world... I, I think this is probably the most realistic game I've ever played. Even because even to with like how you travel, it's mm-hmm. excruciatingly slow at points, and it was something that I hated at oh, first. Nice. Um, but I grew to to appreciate it. One because it gave me more chances to explore, but two just because like that's what it was like. Like it was slow. You couldn't right. you couldn't cross the state in in twenty minutes. The game that I played before this game came out that is probably the most realistic game I've ever played, uh, it's either The Last of Us or Heavy Rain, I would say. And I say The Last Ooh, of Us, heavy there's nothing, rain. I don't there's know nothing if I know realistic. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. There's, it's not real. The, the zombie apocalypse in Last of Us is obviously not realistic, but the characters' reactions to this event hmm. are. And that's kind of what I'm looking for and what I'm interested in uh, as far as what a video game can do. Because if you have a realistic physics engine and ke- like all, literally chemistry in the game, then you can use that engine... And just insert impossible situations into that. And that's a beautiful direction for video games to move in. Like you said, it's realistic, but you've never experienced the 1800s before. Well, now you can <laughs> in this very realistic <laughs> setting. So I am I am actually now very uh, intrigued by this game in a way that I was not prepared for uh, within this conversation. One thing that I do like about this game, too, is that the, the AI is really smart for the like with the enemies mm. um maybe one of the most intelligent ais i've seen in a video game like the enemies are really smart it's really hard to sneak up on them 
Yeah, like if they catch Ooh. you out of the corner of their eye, like they're you're, that you, you're spotted. Um, and also, just like the the movements are really interesting. Like, uh, I saw this GIF on Reddit where someone I, I don't remember how they knocked another guy off, like an enemy off of a horse, but they somehow knocked the enemy off of the horse. I think they shot him actually, and the so the enemy fell off of the horse, hit the ground, hit it in such a way that they accidentally fired their own gun and shot themselves through the head. What? Yeah. That's so, bananas. This is interesting to me because, I mean, this is something that's, it applies to games, but it's really just a general storytelling thing. It applies to movies and stories. And if something, if a, a game, a movie can establish its own internal logic that's mm-hmm. unrelentingly consistent... Mm-hmm. then I find that extremely engaging and extre- extremely rewarding as a person that's engaging with that piece of art. I mean, what, that's one of the great reasons why I like The Last of Us, because, the, like you said before, Alex, there, the zombie apocalypse isn't realistic, but the people's reaction to it is. It has a consistent yeah. internal logic. Mm-hmm. And exactly. like you said, Dan, we've never lived in way back then but you can believe it because you know even if it isn't entirely accurate that's really not so much the point what makes it a good story is that it has this consistent internal logic and so if it's doing that really well it's probably something i'm really gonna like yeah and honestly that's where my complaint with the with the locked doors comes in is because that's the only thing that takes me out of the story sometimes because i can go breaking consistency right because i can go just about anywhere until i can't um and that that's the only thing that's taken me out of the story so far um i mean i i really love pretty much everything else about this like the the character growth is is great and and gradual it's not like like you don't see the change coming and until it's already happened and then you're like oh yeah i I see where that came from um and the characters are just incredibly real they're not it's not like the bad guy is evil and the good guy is good um like they they are humans with flaws and they're just trying to survive like I, th- I think it's really good writing, and and everything about this game seems really well done. I mean, that's great to hear. I'm really, I don't know much about Rockstar as a company, except it's Rockstar, right? That's what they're called. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about Rockstar as a company, but I'm glad to hear that this level of effort and detail is put into their work. Well, sorry to throw a damper on it. I do know a little bit about Rockstar as a company. Um, okay. And apparently they overwork their employees, like, really badly. And they don't have the best business practices. Man, you're just going to make me say it, aren't you? Like, man, like, good art requires hard work. Like, I don't want to try and justify yeah. mistreatments of employees. But, like... I maybe maybe I want to say that doesn't surprise me, mm-hmm. considering the quality of this game seems so high. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing. Is like it, it does really suck. I, I mean, I, I don't know all the details, so I don't know exactly what yeah, they're what they're doing. But if if the extent of it is like overwork, I I think it was worth it. Honestly, 
Um, well, especially if they're getting paid, which if they're not, I don't. Right, I assume they're getting paid. I, well, they. I'm. I assume they made a lot of money off this game. Yeah, um, and I mean it's, it's it's really incredible. It's one of those games where I'm, I've been playing a lot. Like I'm, I'm probably forty, fifty hours in, mm. um, and I'm probably about that same percentage in. Like I think I'm sixty percent in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot to it. There are entire swaths of the map I've not uncovered yet. Um, just because I've not had any reason to go that far because it's actually a journey. Right. Um, so, like, when I eventually have to go there, it will take me a little while. <laughs> I'm looking forward to playing this game now. Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that. it. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it, There's too. There's also I Red mean, Dead Online, so we can play together. Ooh. Oh, yeah, just like the Elder Scrolls Online, how everyone played that after yeah. they left Skyrim. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that was a good time, right, guys? When we all, uh, we all, we all played cool, the Elder Scrolls though. Online. I played that for, like, 30 seconds, and it was terrible. I think it looks <laughs> cool. I want to play Elder Scrolls Online. Like, I want to play No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching some videos of some of people playing Red Dead Online. They were doing some cool stuff. There was this one... Uh, this is a couple of guys, one one of them, their character was jumping off a bridge, and the other one was lassoing them by the feet to catch them before they died. Like you can do, wow. you can do some really cool stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's neat. All right. All right. Jeez. Yeah, but will it get me to spend sixty dollars on a game? I very rarely do that. I think this is worth it. I, I mean, almost never do that. I did it on Pokemon, so <laughs> mm. well then you have you then you can't talk. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think it's worth it. I mean, this is this is a game that I do think is on par with with some of the great. Uh, like movies and and tv shows out there like visual art this game is is up there it's really good so this is a great time to transition to a quote uh on wikipedia let's go Uh, oh yes my favorite source I'm taking a quick trip to wikipedia the best of the tertiary sources (laughs) and let me see let me see if I can find the quote in a reasonable amount of time. All the great sources. Um, nope. No, I won't. So <laughs> someone fill in. That's okay. I'm going to cut all of this out and just play a cricket noise. I just like hearing the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, where the hell is it? I mean, I just ha- I still haven't played Spider Man, so like I, <laughs> I've got I've got lots to do. <laughs> Spider Man, I kind of hate played. Like I I like you it. hate played. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool that I recognized places in New York City. It's I don't and I might have mentioned this before in the last episode, but I, it wasn't like a great game. It was it was very well done for a superhero game. I just don't love superhero games. And I get I get that impression too, and that's why I haven't been clamoring to to play it. I mean, and what like I could have dropped any of the old games that I'm still trying 100 percent and tried that's something new, but it's just sitting on my shelf, and you know, it's 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 in the featured section of my shelf. I can see the <laughs> I see the cover art whenever I'm sitting on the couch, but I'm just like, 
can still work on my grind on this old game, though. By this old or, game, or I play. assume you mean Last of Us? And Horizon Zero Dawn. Or play Tetris Effect. Oh. We should oh, talk about Tetris Effect. About. Yeah. What is Tetris Effect? Tetris Effect Tony is... better than anyone. <laughs> Tetris Effect is the new Tetris game by... Insert guy's name here, who I don't remember, who's made a lot of other music interactive games. Um, the the shtick of it is that you're, you're you're playing Tetris, obviously, and as you're progressing through the puzzle, you're clearing more lines, getting closer to your goal. The in the track, the music that you're hearing is building more and more tracks and getting more complex. So as you're playing through the game, you're kind of playing through the song. Like you get to the second verse when you, you know, complete a certain number of lines or like this set of instruments comes in when you get to this. So as you're crossing thresholds in the game, you're musically crossing, crossing thresholds as well. Um, that and it's the first VR Tetris game. So hmm. that's fun. Which you think is completely unnecessary? It's only mostly unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I've been having a lot of fun playing it. Maria's been having a lot of fun playing it. I mean, she's more of a Tetris nut than I am. Like, mm-hmm. she's she's really into it. Uh, but the thing is, I've never really... I've always respected Tetris for what it is. And it's, you know, possibly... This is a whole argument. Let's shelf it for now. But possibly the most popular video game of all time. It um, easily is in the top like 10. It's it's easily up there. Uh and I've yet I've never been motivated to I've never sat down and said, "You know what I want to do? I don't want to play The Last of Us. I want to play Tetris <laughs> right now." Like that's never happened until this iteration of it came along, and that I think is a fascinating thing. Well, this is kind of like what we were hoping Pokemon would be. Like, we were hoping Right, Pokemon, and it did the opposite. <laughs> right, and it didn't. But the Tetris Effect is a game that turned a non-Tetris fan into, at the very least, someone who wanted to play Tetris. Yeah. And, and what is and, this on? What system? Uh, uh, I play it on PS4. Hmm. I'd have to look. I don't know what else it's I'll on. Check it, goes, it out. It goes always. I wanna be with you and make believe in you and live in harmony, harmony. Uh. It goes like that. <laughs> is that is that a song from the game? It it's a song from a game. Uh, put put it in the comments below if you know which game though, and you'll get five points for getting it right. It's only on the PS4. According to Wikipedia, tertiary source okay. of the day. I have one of those. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, I think. Yeah, I think it is only on PS4. I think. I think it was. It was probably. I'm guessing it was designed as a VR game, but was made accessible for non-VR. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I do think that's correct. The one. The one mechanical difference in this game. I mean, every Tetris release, I think, has something a little mechanically just a little different. The different mode in this is something called the zone, where if you're clearing a certain number of lines consistently, you can. It's kind of like Star Mode in Guitar Hero. Uh, you unlock this super mode you can go into, and the blocks stop falling, and you can clear multiple lines at once. The benefit, the mechanical benefit, being that in regular Tetris and every other version of Tetris, the most lines you can clear in a single hit are four, and that's 
that's called a Tetris. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's how you get the most number of points. But if you use the zone feature, you can clear even more lines because the <laughs> clock stops basically. So if you clear a whole bunch of them, like you can get these crazy words, like you can get a dodecahexatris or whatever if you're clearing a whole bunch of lines. So hmm. it it adds another interesting layer of challenge. I once played. My Tetris phase was for the 3DS. Actually, there was a there was a Tetris DS version that was had a lot of Mario skins to it. Like all the blocks and the backgrounds had like Mario and Zelda themes to it. And I I actually enjoyed playing that Tetris game very much. I was much younger and much stupider at the time, so I can't really give myself too much credit. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. I did. That was my Tetris phase. My probably my biggest Tetris phase. Um, I do remember the biggest problem with that game was you could cheese the game by constantly rotating your uh, your tetra tetrite whatever it's called. Uh, your block just on the bottom your, of the screen. Your tetramino. Infinite. Your tetramino. That's what it is. Yes. yes. I've never heard of that. Okay. Yeah, you could constantly rotate your tetramino and just walk around the bottom of the screen uh, indefinitely. That was huh. a problem. Hmm. Yeah, that that's that's no, that was a bad choice. But anyway, um, I have found my quote. Are you guys ready? Yeah, my body's ready. So, on Wikipedia, and I don't know how Wikipedia's sources work, because I couldn't find a source for this quote, but it says, this game (laughs) is considered to be one of the greatest video games of all time. And greatest video games of all time uh, is hyperlinked to a list of games on Wikipedia that are greatest game are games considered to be greatest of all time. Hmm. The most recent edition sounds being, authoritative. Most recent edition being anyone want to take a guess? Uh, That's correct. Legend of Zelda: Zelda Breath oh, of the god. Wild. Oh god, hmm. Jesus Christ! Oh my god. Um, also on this list, okay. Um, is The Last of Us that we talk about very often. Okay. Um, also on this list is The Witcher 3 okay. that, ha- that we have talked about. Uh, but the game listed right before Breath of the Wild in 2016, one was Inside for the Xbox One, which mm-hmm. is a game we've said we want to play and yep. we'll get to one day. And it's yep. on our Still list. on the list. I think it'll forever and be on the list. Hashtag follow up. But the other game from 2016, considered to be one of the greatest of all time, is one of Dan's favorites. Pokemon, let's go Pikachu. No. (laughs) (laughs) Overwatch. Ah, well. And we're here. And we're here. So speaking of games we've spent a lot of hours recently in... (laughs) Now it's Alex's turn. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Just for context, I've done kind of a deep dive into this game and everything surrounding it. Uh, Everything being uh, the game, the people, the culture, the strategy, and that culture being middle schoolers. Uh, So, this is why I don't want to bring it up because (laughs) it has a. 
a stereotypical demographic of prebubescence, <laughs> and I hesitate to talk about this game uh, because of this. Um, however, boy, have I learned a lot about this game, and boy, is the game just a fun romp. Like, man, <laughs> I I what? enjoyed a fun romp. Got it. Okay, that's that's appropriate to say, right? I think. Yeah, I heard a romp. But, uh, sure, that works too. But in any case, this game. One of the interesting facts about it is that it has a whole uh, professional esports organization around it, where Blizzard actually just put together a, an esports organization uh, modeled after Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, National Football League, where teams are designated by region and play in divisions based on region. Uh, For example, Jeff Wilpon, uh, famous uh, owner and CEO of the New York Mets, uh, owns New York Excelsior, which is the professional Overwatch team in New York. Uh, It's a team of six Korean people that are the professional New York team. But anyway, besides that... um, I've probably, similarly to you, Tan, I've probably put about, like, 40, 50 hours into this game. Wow. Over the, over the last two months, one month and a half, something like that. I played for, like, 30 seconds once. Yeah, that's, so Tony <laughs> told me that, and that's what I knew going in. So tell me about that 30 seconds, Dan. What did you think? I was just really bored. I, there, I wanted a story to happen, and there wasn't one. Right, right, and I it didn't hold my attention. Like it was just, I was just fighting other people for no reason, and I didn't I didn't know why, and it were and I didn't I don't know. There was nothing captivating to me. Dan, you're hitting on something very important, I think. And Alex has done the deep dive, so of course you know all the histories of all the heroes, and they all have backstories. Yeah, I mean, not all of it, but I'm sure they all have very important backstories. But but the the thing (laughs) is, it's important to note that you can play this game forever and get zero percent of any of that backstory. So. This is something, this is the reason why I didn't play it for a long time, too, was because I heard, oh, it's just an online, um, you know, run around kind of Call of Duty type of thing, or at least it's seen that way in my mind. And mechanically, it is pretty different, and it is more interesting than that, and, you know, Alex can say more about that than I can, but the, the lack of story in the game is one of the things that kept me away from it, um... But I think it is interesting to note that there is this, there is a lot of story and there's a whole, I don't want to say mythology, but there's like all this, there's all this lore that's happening outside the game. I don't think that excuses the game's lack of story in the game, but it is noteworthy that it does exist and it's official and it's there. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like there's... And and I'm probably going to stick my foot in my mouth here because I'm also talking about something that Alex knows way more about. But it seems <laughs> to me that it has lore in the same way that Magic the Gathering has lore. Um, oh, I'm so oh, happy shit. right now. Oh, shit. Which is like, <laughs> oh, shit. yeah, there's probably a lot of backstory and it's probably well thought out, I guess. But um, 
the I guess is for Overwatch, not for Magic. I know Magic is very well thought out, but you can Let's play not go down without without knowing any of it. Correct. Right. Now, oh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the floor for a second. Uh, let's get my microphone ready. All right. So. The story in Magic the Gathering is created in such a way to overcome a particular challenge. That challenge being the expectation that the majority of your audience is only going to be able to receive the story through physical cards bought through randomly assorted booster packs. Now, this goes against all convenient conventions of storytelling, which is usually linear, clear, following one particular character, and all this stuff. But when you give someone a pack of 15 cards randomly picked from 260 cards, and you say, here's a story for you to read, what? how can you even expect to get a story out of it? So this is the challenge that Wizards of the Coast has been working on combating over i would say strongly over the last 6 years i would say 6 years ago was the first time they got it closest to right and they've discovered a few things one is that their priority is less in telling a linear plot story uh, with the cards, but with the cards, the most important thing they can and should do is world building, where every card represents an aspect of the world, and seeing 15 cards is actually a reasonable amount of information to see various pieces of the world, and you can get a sense that it's like, oh, this is a war-torn desert world where there's a lot of people suffering and maybe there's one or two people you see that live a little bit more lavishly and they're just there's a couple of people that are comfortable but they're living off the efforts of a much more tired and struggling people um or you can perhaps see a world where uh like everyone is a much more systematic world and everyone has their own cults or region that they live in and you can see like the different regions in the backgrounds and the way different clans uh treat the people within the clan or outside of the clan and maybe a couple of cards represent the conflicts between these various groups but you don't get anything linear and strictly because it's impossible now they've evolved this system and there's a few cards have i lost anyone i assume you're both there did did tony get another drink yes and yes Mm -hmm. i'm still here okay okay (laughs) so they've evolved this system and there are rarer cards because there is a rarity system that they're actually that they take advantage of to tell the story there are rarer cards that depict particular events so for example there was a world where you had a present day um clan-based world uh that uh what was it it was a clan-based world that praised and idolized dragons but dragons no longer exist and then the next set 
depicted the same world a thousand years ago with dragons. And then there was a single card in that set that depicted the moment where dragons went extinct. So this is how they told this story. Set by set, they depicted one world, they depicted the same world a thousand years ago, and a much rarer set of cards depicted important events, including the extinction of all dragons. So I... So obviously, this is something I've read and learned and have come to appreciate greatly about Magic the Gathering. And something that else that I really like is you can... If you just want to play the game, you can kind of just enjoy a sense of the world around you and appreciate that aspect of it aesthetically. But if you did want to dive into the lore... There's an archive on the internet, on Wizards of the Coast website, that has just these articles that take maybe 20 to 30 minutes to read that go in-depth on the how the plot goes. And they release an article once a week, and that's what tells the story in a linear way, in-depth, and it weaves its way uh, through the cards that you see. So there's clearly a lot of parallels between this and Overwatch. Right. Like I can so, I can see how you would appreciate this story, this method of storytelling a lot. This seems to be right. something that a type of storytelling that you're into. Right. Well, it's something I was I I played Overwatch, and I feel like I kind of recognized that this is this is the path that they've chosen to take where we're just going to make an online first-person shootery kind of game, um, but the story is told in the aesthetics of each world, where every now and then, if you stop and look at the wall to your left, you'll see propaganda posters against AI and androids. Or on another world, you'll see robots and humans living in harmony and posters of the i i remember like to give a specific example there's a banner in one of the worlds that features a child uh she's like a a prodigy i think her name is effie something like that and if you look if you read into the story effie is actually the child that built one of the playable heroes named Arissa. And that and Arissa, that's her origin story. But you would never make the connection on your own. You would have to deep dive. But Effie is represented on that world, and she's very important to one of the heroes' stories. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about Overwatch in this way is: so Magic: The Gathering has these articles uh, that they tell this linear story through. Overwatch, maybe every. I don't know, three months or so, on average, releases an animated short, sim- uh, similar to like a Pixar short, and it and it's a very high quality uh, video, and they tell the story through these animated shorts instead, and they're really, uh, they're quite fetching, might I say, um, they're very they're very good, really, is just what they are. And it's a really interesting way to tell a story 
integrated into this very free-roaming video game. End of scene. So, it's... Okay, so that that's a lot about the story, um, but I'm also interested to know what drew you into this game mechanically. Like, we... Alex and I talked a little bit about this off the show, about how well balanced this game is and how even on the uh, uh, even though on the surface of it it seems to be quite simple there's actually a lot of good planning and thought that went into making sure that this game was balanced while also allowing really diverse character both diverse character choices and a large number of character choices Right, so let me make one more Magic the Gathering metaphor here. Uh, with the release of, thank you. With every, <laughs> with the release of new sets, um, you can create new decks. Now, decks are created using a minimum of sixty cards out of the allowable card pool, which is generally speaking the last two years of sets released. Now, a new set released, and you make new decks, and you could. Now, every set's 260 cards. If the last two years you've seen eight sets, now you're talking about a card pool over 1,500 cards deep. You can make a lot of 60-card decks, right? That makes a lot of sense? I haven't lost you yet? Sure. Yeah. Now, the problem is, let's say there's 30 good 60-card decks. Of those decks... What winds up happening at a competitive level is that there's really only two or three, maybe, viable options once you start competing at the highest levels of competition. And even then, because Magic is leans re- decently more into variance than Overwatch does... Once you see the highest level of competition, casual players can emulate that, and then these one or two decks start permeating the entire culture of Magic, and it's actually it's a negative feeling that it creates, that you start seeing the same thing, and it starts getting abusive and repetitive, and it creates a bad metagame, is what happens. The metagame being, this is what you actually see. Despite the fact that there's 20, sorry, 1,500 cards, you only see, like, you know, 40 unique cards. And that's the metagame. What's amazing about Overwatch is until you get to the absolute highest levels of competitive play... Every character, of which there's 30 unique characters, like Tony said, every character is viable, at the very least, in niche situations. But even then, having high skill level on a particular character can overcome its generally niche capabilities and just be a viable unit. Now, to be clear... At the absolute highest levels of play. Um, also, I should have said this earlier. Overwatch is a 6v6 format. And of the 30 heroes you use, each team only uses 6. Uh, but you can't. one team can't have two of the same hero on one team. Now, at the highest levels of play, there are 
very obvious and highly expected six hero compositions. And at the highest levels, it is gotten old and samey and uninteresting. Um, now, there's, I would say there's about... I can probably name five or six different team compositions, so it's not not too bad, but it definitely is creating a problem right now, and it's a big conversation. But it only happens at the highest level of play, because Overwatch is basically strictly a skill game, and one of the aspects of these uh, very common uh, metagame team compositions are that you have to be a skilled player to play these optimally. You can't just have six, you know, dirtily Overwatch players play the best composition in the game and have it work out for you. Like, it's a strategy that requires practice and skill, and you can't just jump into it and say, okay, we're better now. So that helps the game um, just before the highest level ends below, which is the vast majority of its player base. Any questions? (laughs) Thank you for attending my thesis. Thank you (laughs) for attending my thesis. There will be food and drinks afterwards. No, but that's that's another testament to the quality of the game, though, in that even though there's an accepted best combination, it's not an automatic win, that it it still comes down to the skill of the players and it comes down to how you apply these things like yeah. i'm sure we can come up with tons of examples of other multiplayer online multiplayer games where there's a best combination and there's right. a best combination yeah. you know and then you have there has things, to be one right and and then you have things that um you know people in in those communities they'll they'll see a, they'll see a team or a clan come in with that combination and then everyone on the opposing team will just quit the game because they know that uh, they 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 just know that it it's gonna right. win. They've been they've been in this situation before. No reason to waste everyone's time. <laughs> right, right, right. There's a metaphor here of in baseball as well. Like every game's gonna kind of have this optimal strategy, and you hope it's balanced in some way. And baseball's example of this, if anyone's aware, was uh, Billy <laughs> we <are> Beans. Not. <laughs> well, we try Billy Beans Moneyball. This was a movie that came out a few years ago. Does either, do either of you know what I'm talking about? Um, no. I've heard that movie title. I've yes, heard of money, so, I've heard of balls, never together. Okay, we're on the right path. <laughs> yep. So, Billy Bean devised a system where, or not even just Billy Bean, but he worked with a team and devised a system that said, you know, if we prioritize these statistics that very um, low, really just like, uh, uh, these uh, what's the word? These low budget players uh, can perform at uh, on base percentage and uh, I guess slugging percentage or some amount of home runs. I don't know. But if we just prioritize these stats that other teams aren't, and we don't have to pay top dollar for fancy players, we can we can pay a small amount of money for a large amount of wins. And the Oakland Athletics took this idea all the way to the postseason with this bizarre turnaround of a season that no one expected using math, basically, as the idea and this optimized strategy. And the way it balanced itself was you take this idea 
over a 162 game season and you will win lots of games. But when you put this strategy against extremely talented players in a seven game matchup, the extremely talented players are just going to outperform what is your best against the average. And they were completely thrown out of the postseason. So you can get to the postseason in baseball very cheaply and easily, but you'll never go beyond that. Yep, sports. And that well that's how and that's how that's that can be balanced. Even the best team composition right. in Overwatch has a very obvious counter uh, that it can be that can be played against it and it will struggle against. And now we're just talking about a metagame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cues that other games that try to do a, this similar thing can can take from this game. You know, I was I was really surprised by it. I was surprised by how fun it was to play. I and how e- and how accessible. Yeah, yeah. That's what I that's what I was trying to find the words for. That yeah. even from the very first moments that I was playing it, I was having fun and I was finding moments to be successful, which mm-hmm. is really something that stands out compared to other online games. Where it's, it's important for a new player to have that experience, right? I mean, my whole conception of these kind of online shooters was that. You have to suck, and you have to lose for a while, and you have to really work at it, and then you can, you know, get good at it and start winning. And that's that's not the case at all with this game. You can go in and you can win and lose pretty evenly right from the beginning. I mean, you you know, your stats are not going to be good, but mm-hmm. um, you can you you can find success in what you're doing right from the beginning. You get a sense of participation. You get literal success. Uh, very quickly, very early, and there's characters, you know, that are designed in such ways. Uh, Magic, the, Magic the Gathering actually calls this lenticular design, <laughs> which is specifically a ca- uh, in Magic at least. It's a card that, from a new player's expect, uh, perspective, they see it and they understand how it works on a base level, such that. I know how to. I can play this. Literally play this card. Know how it works, and I have no barriers to entry. The lenticular design is when a more advanced player looks at the card and understands on a much deeper level the consequences of what this card is capable of, and can use it in a way that a newer player might not recognize immediately. But its complexity is not a deterrence to the new player. The complexity is kind of tucked underneath more subtle lines that can be taken advantage of by a higher skill player. So I think Overwatch, lenticular design might be the term for what is Overwatch's greatest success, which is uh, one of the characters that I played very early on that got me into the game is this healer class named Zenyatta who also does a lot of damage and his uh, his attack is very simple, it goes straight, it has long range so I don't have to worry about range and it just felt very comfortable, it was very easy to heal, very easy to change targets but 
at the highest level of play, he's an important part of a team composition. And there's even a pro player. His name is uh, Jonak. Uh, watching Jonak play this character is is incredibly unfair. <laughs> it's uh, like at a high skill level, he turns this healer character into one of the highest damage output characters in the game. And it's and it's not something I'm even capable of even considering. But this is there's kind of this lenticular design to it where I can play just like a decent healer that does a little bit of damage and be a participating member of my team. But at the highest levels, this is one of the most important parts of a popular team composition and a high damage output character, which is just so far beyond my skill level. So the other thing I think is worthwhile discussing with this, if we're doing the the full deep dive on this is that this game is often compared to team fortress 2 yes um and i know alex doesn't have a lot of experience playing that game dan do you really have any experience playing team fortress 2 no none at all so i i it's on you tony yeah i i I played a lot of it um uh a long time ago years ago and the the parallels are very clear there are standard um, player classes that are like the heroes that you choose, although there are a lot fewer of them. And a team can choose more than one of each class, partially because there are fewer to choose from, but also right. because it's freaking hilarious when everyone decides to choose <laughs> the same class at the same time because it just like totally messes up the game. I mean, it. Similar objectives, although a bit different. I think that there's a little more diversity in the objectives in Team Fortress 2. But, right, the, um, the structure of the objectives are relatively the same. I yeah, think. there's capture points, there's, uh, there's escorting the payload, that kind of stuff. Like Those are major game modes. Team yep. Fortress 2 has a, uh, has a capture the flag mode that I don't right. think Overwatch has. It um, does, but it's not... Uh, introduced into their regular routine got it got it okay so but the thing that i like about team fortress 2 and i think what has me going back and playing it every once in a while and i think it's a rather old game at this point so the people that are still playing it the reason that they do is because if you get a kick out of a game falling apart at the hands of the people that are playing it you'll find TF2 very entertaining. Uh, That's not so much the case in Overwatch. If you're playing Overwatch and you're having fun, usually it's because the game is being played as it's supposed to be played. As it was intended. Right. And when you say falling apart, I think you kind of mean the game being played for fun, though not as intended. Right, not for its objectives. So, to provide an example... (laughs) Not for its written (laughs) objectives. To provide a recent example, I was playing Overwatch with Alex for a little while, and then I was like, I want to play Team Fortress 2. So, I started playing it, and it was a capture the flag match, and the teams were too evenly balanced, nobody was scoring, everyone was kind of running around. But the funny thing is... The servers in TF2, I think unlike the Overwatch servers, they have a lot of flexibility with how they set the rules for the game. So this server that I was on had no time limit. So we had 
evenly balanced teams, nobody was scoring, and there was no time limit. So what started happening was that the players in the room, and also nobody was leaving, which was which was very interesting. Yeah. So nobody was leaving, nobody was scoring, and then everyone just sort of started to realize at the same time that we were at a stalemate. But instead of leaving the game, which is what you think most people would do, there are, you know, like most online games, there are taunts you can do, and in TF2 there are dances. <laughs> the teams... We all started dancing. <laughs> we all just started dancing in the middle of the map near each other's spawns. Every once in a while, somebody would shoot somebody else and they'd respawn and they'd start dancing again. <laughs> and then I decided no. I'd try to take advantage of this. So I. Well, hold on. Before we Okay, get to so that, before we go there. About, you're talking about each. Up, like the opposing teams getting together. Getting together, yes. In a non violent fashion. Right. And instead of achieving the written objective, having a dance party, that is, you are technically able to do because there are dance options in the game. Right. Completely not the point of the game. Completely not (laughs) the point. But it became the point of what we were doing. Mm. Now, I tried to take advantage of this by... Being a big fat jerk. (laughs) By dancing over to the opposing team's flag... And attempting to take it and dancing it back to my own capture point. And I got most of the way, and then I eventually got shot, because we have to keep up this nobody scoring situation. Because you deserved it. But I... And that was just the first game I joined. Like, I ended up finding something unique that I didn't think would happen... And they, like, uh, eventually it broke down. People started leaving, new people came in, and then, you know, scoring happened and the, one of the teams won. But I found something that was completely not to the point of the game and something I had so much fun being a part of with other people. And this is the fun of the game. Right. So, you know, you can go back and forth about, like, whether... I mean, I, I think you might be able to objectively say that TF2 is not as good of a game for its stated purpose as Overwatch was. I mean, it's important to the history of online games in that it was, you know, it it it, it inspired Overwatch and inspired future games like this. But Absolutely. but when you go back to the history of TF2, it was made originally as a modification of Half-Life 2. It wasn't even its own game. And it just became its own game because it became incredibly popular. So it has its origins in being an iteration or a or a hack of something else. And that's how the community has taken to it. They take this hack and they hack it apart into other things as well. And it's really entertaining. And this is, you kind of noted that this is probably one of the distinctions between the two games where part of the fun and enjoyment of Overwatch is accomplishing the objectives and part of the fun of Team Fortress 2 is that everyone kind of agrees that you can allow the objective to dissolve. Right. And everyone has fun despite that. Right. And of course, there. Are, this is an online game. There are exceptions. There are people that take it way too seriously. But Those I think, bastards. but but I think it's something important to note that TF2 made a competitive mode, kind of like how an Overwatch is a competitive and a casual mode. TF2 made a competitive mode much later, and almost nobody played it. 
it was a total flop <laughs> because that's just not what you know people would go in and they'd have like 20 30 minute uh matchmaking times because just nobody was playing that mode because that's just not the spirit of the game it's just it's not why people are playing it still there dan yeah I'm I'm enjoying <laughs> this. I I have a greater appreci- appreciation for for this game than I did going into it. Um, I all this all I really knew about it Overwatch was the or? what's that? This game being Overwatch. Overwatch, or? yeah. Okay. Um, all I really knew going into it was the grand total of five minutes that I had played and watching uh, my my middle schoolers watch YouTube videos about it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, I, I didn't really know much about it. I, I still don't think it's going to be something that I ever really play. Um, sure. But, but I, I definitely uh, have a greater appreciation for it now. I haven't been getting into the lore of Overwatch at all, but the one thing that I did cross my radar was a song by a yes. a, a band called the living tombstone called no mercy <laughs> and then the song won't make a lot of sense if you don't know the characters of the game i think There's a character named mercy uh, way. <laughs> but uh, i found it so entertaining because i kept listening to the song and i just it was at this strange point like this almost like the strange lagrange point where i couldn't decide if it was a great song or a terrible song (laughs) i just knew that i couldn't stop listening to it and i think that i i've fallen on the side of me thinking it's a great song or at best saying it's a guilty pleasure song oh my god because i can't stop listening to it (laughs) oh my gosh I have, so, I've, I apologize. I still have not yet listened to the song. I said I would, but clearly there is a there is a great endorsement for it on the show now. So I know what I need to do later today. It's in the show notes. Listen to it later. Um, speaking of music about Overwatch in the show notes, I just added luciomusic.com hashtag branding. Uh, which is a free album called Synesthesia Auditivia, written and produced by famous Overwatch hero Lucio, who is one of the support heroes in the game, and this is an album written by him. By the character Lucio. By the character Lucio, sponsored by Lucio O's, the official Overwatch serial, being produced this month <laughs> through Kellogg's and will literally be a thing that exists in real life stores. Okay, then. I, I really appreciate <laughs> these kinds of things, man. Like, just... I think this... I really like that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think it's pretty great. The other thing I'll say is, Dan, I highly recommend, at the very least, watching the first overwatch animated short again it is i did post a link in the show notes good uh, it's i called, will take a look it's called recall it's about eight minutes and i highly recommend checking it out okay I'll, I'll take a look now the next question is dan mm-hmm. when are you gonna play overwatch with us <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll play. I don't have the game. That's going to make it a bit of a challenge. I <laughs> no problem. Em- <laughs> embarrassingly, I have an account that you can play on. It's fine. 
<laughs> we can make it work. Alex has two copies of Overwatch. <laughs> I might have two copies of Overwatch. <laughs> Hashtag story for another time. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll play. I've I I find these things a lot more fun as I think most people do when you are playing with people you know and not oh just absolutely by right. Um, so like if you guys are online and want to play, I'll I'll play. That's not that's I probably enjoy that. Yeah, I think it's a very important distinction between our introductions to the game that when I played it, I played it with two friends um, in their apartment. Like, we all kind of had, like, this LAN party and we all played Overwatch together. Mm-hmm. When, I introduced Tony, when I introduced Tony to the game, I was at his place and we played Overwatch together at his place yeah. with one of my other friends. Yeah, we were physically together. Yeah, and I think it sounded like when you played, you were alone yeah you just kind of solo queued yeah yeah i that's that's a horrendous way to play even when you like the game (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i think i would have i will you i will give you my free account to play on if you would like to try it and we will do that (laughs) sounds good username is (laughs) and password (laughs) and the last four digits of your social (laughs) actually but actually speaking of username i want to i kind of want to tell a little story uh, I want to have a little story time. Um, Gather around. All right, here's another drink. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Listen to, to the tale. Shout out to Agonius on YouTube. Uh, link in the show notes. Friend um, of the show. <laughs> friend of the show. He he has uh, only a few videos on his YouTube channel, but he makes content about Overwatch. Uh, he's a top 500 player, as in top 500 in the world. Um, I think it's specific to his hero, like he's a top 500 Reinhardt player specifically. But in any case, he's re- he's the point is he's really good at the game. <laughs> um, and I'm shouting him out because, Agonius, uh, we played together uh, on Overwatch <laughs> the other day. And he was playing at a rank that is way below what he should be playing at. But we got match made together and he absolutely wrecked house. And he had all of us just with the most wide-mouthed anime faces in the world. <laughs> and he and he played with us for a few hours, and it was a lot of fun. And it was a, it was one of the most remarkable experiences I'd ever seen. Was playing with someone who is so talented at the game. Like it was unbelievable watching someone just absolutely tear the opponent team to little bitty pieces in a way that I cannot fathom how it's even possible how he was doing what he was doing. So, quick shout out to Agonius on YouTube. Check out his content. He's a really cool guy. Really good Overwatch player. Hashtag I hope we play again soon. And uh, we'd love to have you on the show, so reach <laughs> out. I'd love to have you on the I could, I could, I'll reach out to Agonius. Contact at pixelnoise.fm at pixel contact at pixel noise like like don't contact at pixel noise.fm the contact is contact at <laughs> so i have another topic unless dan you have another topic you'd like to share because no. i noticed you haven't had much to say in a while no no go for it and um i think this might be the last one because sydney's cooking dinner okay <laughs> so i have sitting in front of me a playstation classic ah. it's sitting here on my desk can do a 
live unboxing <laughs> oh, oh, auditory. Unopened. Unopened. It is now the open. The value, though, Tony. The value. <laughs> well, you know, I, I drove it off the lot, so it's my own fault. Oh, okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> so, well, first, I... I so, I, I just picked this up right before the recording, so I haven't played anything on it. Um, but I, I'd like to draw some attention to this packaging. Okay, please. Um... Pages there are, picture. you know, th- there's a nice picture on the front. On the back, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven asterisks. Oh my god! Literal <laughs> asterisks. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> to what this thing is and can do. Oh my god! Okay, so first asterisk: This console can only play preloaded games. It cannot download games or play any CDs. Uh, but the second one is the most important one, which has a little yellow flag on the front, if you look at the picture in the show notes. Oh. Use the included USB cable to connect this console to a USB power source that supports 5 volts, 1 amp minimum output, such as USB-AC adapter, in parenthesis, not included. Oh. I spent $100 <laughs> on a toy... That didn't come with its AC adapter that it needs to run. (laughs) Wow. Which I'm still kind of blown away by. (laughs) That's a ballsy move by Sony. So so pause for a second. Sure. It has to be a micro USB cable, a USB-B, right? Yeah, it's a standard USB cable. Okay, so that was step one. Yeah. Before any more outrage ensued. Yeah, no. I don't think but, that mitigates the, the anger that Tony is feeling. Oh, but they didn't give me a brick to plug it in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't excuse it. That That's like saying, oh, no. you should have one of these, even right. though you're giving just, us $100. It, only, it would have... It would have compounded the issue. Because if it asked for a USB-C cable or any bullshit like that, then we have a big problem. But as it stands, like, yes, I do have multiple USB bricks and micro cables lying around, but none in the box? Yeah, none in the box. And here's the thing. If I spent 20 bucks on this thing... Uh, you oh, know, I sure. might ex- I might excuse that. A hundred dollars? I don't know that there's any excuse for it. You, you, are, you are selling a device that people are going to use. You should include whatever they need to use it. Like, <laughs> you should be able to unpack it and, and use the thing you just bought. If you can't so, do that, then you have a problem. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually imagining an adolescent boy named playstation sitting in a classroom like maniacally laughing over trying to save money and then everyone poo-pooing him saying how dare you this is terrible and then there's a prepubescent boy in the corner named nintendo and they (laughs) sheepishly shout yeah in like agreeing with everyone that playstation did a terrible thing but nintendo did not include a ac adapter with one of their DS iterations in, like, the last two years. I, I do remember so, that. Actually. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then you just have Bethesda cheering everybody on. Um, <laughs> but this is absurd. Like, 
<laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like I'm o- I'm opening it now. There's plenty of room in the box. There's actually this nice I- little corner here above the controllers, <laughs> above the net to the right of the HDMI cable. You could slot a little uh, power brick right in there. No, I mean not there. You know, I could understand this if it was a specialized cable that only Sony made, and they wanted to make a couple extra bucks. Even then, I'd be pissed because then I'd say just add those couple extra bucks to the price and give me the cable. Oh, but oh boy! But it's a it's a standard cable. There's no reason not to include this, even if you have to charge an extra ten dollars. You or God forbid, cut ten dollars into the margin. Oh my yeah. God! <laughs> well, like, I no, if they were cutting into here. the margin, it would be like thirty cents. Can you imagine what it would cost Sony to right. buy all of those in bulk? Right. Yeah, I agree with you, Tony. Like this is a one hundred dollar product. That's an obvious cra- cash grab off of the highly successful formula that Nintendo came up with, and this is more expensive than both of those. And this and to, does it? How many controllers does it have? It does have two controllers, and that's important because yeah. asterisk number one, two, three, four. <laughs> oh my God. Asterisk number four is uh, only the included controllers are compatible with this console. Nice. You cannot use your original or used mm-hmm. PlayStation controllers with this console. Can you use a PS4 controller? Uh, were they included with I the console? don't think that is in the purview of only <laughs> the controllers included with this console. Gotta read the directions. <laughs> Cause, cause, not, to be, not to be nitpicky, but you can use Wii and Wii U peripherals on the uh, Nintendo and Super Nintendo Classic systems. Yeah, totally, because that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. You're rewarding your fans who have kept the equipment for all these years and not sold it back as junk to GameStop for $2, (laughs) because that's how little they care about the... Okay, so I pre-ordered this from GameStop, and... (laughs) um, I had... This is the first item I've ever pre-ordered from a GameStop, and... Man, oh man, was that a subpar experience. Yeah, oh, <laughs> tell me more. I was, I was confused from the moment that I accidentally clicked through and pre-ordered it a couple oh, months ago. That's right, that's right. <laughs> when I remember the story. I got, I don't know, I found the link, I found it on the website, I got emailed something, I don't know. I found myself <laughs> on the product page at GameStop for the PlayStation Classic, and I thought, you know... I'm just going to click through. I'm going to see how far I can go before it takes my money. (laughs) I went all the way through. I placed a pre-order. It did not take any of my dollars, and I was very confused. I had to text Alex and be like, did something just happen that was wrong? Did I accidentally get a free PlayStation Classic? Shouldn't they have made me pay for it? You you texted your friend who worked at GameStop, (laughs) and he also was confused <laughs> by the situation you found yourself in. Because normally, at least, if not paying for the whole thing, there's at least a deposit. Nope. Right. Nope. nope. <laughs> I just went all the way through, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm getting a PlayStation Classic now. And like, yes. okay, that's how they get you. I see what you did there. Fine. Okay, fine. I did go and pick it up today, so like, got it, it worked. It worked. I, I did, it worked. I did get <laughs> and got. did they charge you at the store? They, they, yes, they charged me at the store. So that's, so that's how that worked. But the other thing is, normally when you pre-order something for a store pickup, there's some kind of email that says, 
right. items are available for pickup. Especially because at GameStop, they're pretty strict compa- compared by modern retail standards. They're very stringent about, you know, they have a short return window. It's only seven days. And the pickup window for pre-orders is only 48 hours before they charge you for the shipping for the item. So you got to go pick up right away when that item comes in. There is no notification that the item is ready for pickup. Not an email notification. There is no email notification. I did not receive a phone call. Alex says that, you know, theoretically they're uh, supposed to call you. But that's an insane obligation to put <laughs> on your emplo- on your retail employees to call. It, it is an obligation put on the same person running the register, whether or not they're the only person working at that time. Yeah, that's insane. When you could just have a computer do this. You can just have a computer <laughs> sent like every other retailer send out an email saying, "Come pick up your shit." Like so I you know, I just happened to know that it got released yesterday and I happened to remember that I, there was no reminder also that I placed the pre-order months ago, you know. So I just happened to remember that it was released and I happened to remember that I pre-ordered one, so I went and I picked it up, but, you know, I'm sure that GameStop makes a lot on shipping charges for people that place a pre-order five months ago and forget that they did it, and they give no reminder that you did it or that you're about to get charged for it. <laughs> so they did so. have your card. Like, how would they have charged you for the shipping? Well, uh, I don't think they can charge you for Oh, that's a good question. But, I guess not. Yeah. Although that is what it says in their terms. It says that they would charge you. So, yeah, I don't know how well, that would work. Good luck. Like, yeah. I, I worked at GameStop. Let me try and clear things up. <laughs> All right, so, Dan, do you have anything else to talk about now on this episode before we continue? Before we go into GameStop territory. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, the only other thing I was going to mention was, I guess, yes is the answer to that. I don't know why I said no. Uh, the only other thing I was going to mention was, uh, you guys heard about the Bethesda bag thing? No. Bethesda bag thing? Where they I mean, had the Fallout 76 uh, Power I'm Armor Googling Edition. This. Nope. Bethesda so, bag. Yeah, you search that, it'll come up. Um, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's huge right now. Um, so... Bethesda put out this special edition of Fallout 76. Um, <laughs> I just saw the word bag gate and now yep. I'm happy. Yep. Um, you get the game, obviously. You get this cool helmet and you get this nice canvas bag and uh, some other stuff. Uh, only problem is that uh, it's $200 and they didn't give the canvas bag. Um, people, people got this really crappy nylon bag instead and we're very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, I don't have the, uh, the direct quote, but they were super unhelpful when people contacted customer service too. They they basically just said like, oh, well that was just a product shot and it was too expensive to actually ship that. So we didn't do it. Um, and then they gave out free canvas bags to popular YouTubers and Twitch streamers. <gasps> oh no. So people were pretty pissed off wow wow <laughs> that's amazing so oh so so the not so the canvas bag as advertised existed yep uh well um, so i don't know that it was the same uh, from what i'm reading it looks like it might be a different canvas bag that they gave out to to the streamers but they had a canvas bag 
Right, there was something offered. And even in, it sounds like, promotional material, there was something that was a canvas bag that was clearly, by aesthetics alone, you could tell is not the same as the nylon right. bag and it's that a, was received. And it's a nice-looking bag, too. Like, if I was a diehard Fallout fan, I could imagine spending $200 on this because I want the game anyway. The, the helmet would be cool sitting on my shelf, and this is a bag I might use, like, right. in real life. Right. Um, so, like, it's it's not bad if you're going to get the bag and you're a huge Fallout fan. But when you don't get the nice bag, it suddenly makes it not so great. Right. You're losing a reasonable amount of value. Like, you're expecting that as part of your package. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at a VentureBeat article that says Bethesda Softworks is planning to ship out replacement canvas bags to owners of the Fallout 76 Powered Armor Edition. The publisher announced on Twitter it will send out the bag to anyone who submits a complaint ticket on its website of by course. January 31st. Of course. Wow. I feel sorry for those support people. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that is the worst system for rectifying that situation. Oh man, that's exciting! Yeah, but that's it's the fun. best system for the higher ups in that company because now they don't have to send it out to everybody. It's only right. going to be the people who happen to see that, right? Yeah, yeah it, it is. A, I mean, it's a complicated process because some people buy it with cash, so they have a receipt and they have a copy of the thing. But there's nothing in Bethesda's system that says it's theirs. You just have these proofs of purchases, which are no longer proofs of purchases, if we're just going to be honest about it. Like, no one likes using these pieces of paper anymore. Everyone likes it online, in their account, in their system. But if that's what you have, then and that's the system you're still using, then you need to go through this complicated process of, you know, you need to reach out to us, and then we'll ask you for all your proofs of things, and then you send us the thing that you don't want, and we'll replace it with the thing you do want. And then, it's solved. <laughs> yep. Gross. Wow. It's yep. gross. Super it's, gross. It's a shame Fallout 76 is also a bad game. Oh, it's so Next bad. Time. Oh, shit. Next time. Oh. <laughs>